Chapter Twelve of Mount Royal, Volume Three by Mary Elizabeth Braden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve. She stood up in bitter case with a pale yet steady face. Part One. The silence of night and slumber came down upon the world. Shadow and darkness were folded round and about it. The ticking of the old eight-day clock in the hall, of the bracket clock in the corridor and of half a dozen other timepieces conscientiously performing in empty rooms took that solemn and sepulchral sound which all clocks down to the humblest dutchman assume after midnight sleep peace and silence seemed to brood over all human and brute life at mount royal yet there were some who had no thought of sleep that night in mr tregonell's dressing-room there was the light of lamp and fire deep into the small hours the master of the house lolled half-dressed in an armchair by the hearth while his friend captain vandeleur in smoking jacket and slippers lounged with his back to the chimney-piece and a cigarette between his lips a whisky-bottle and a couple of siphons stood on a tray on the squire's writing-table an open pistol-case near at hand you'd better lie down for a few hours said captain vandeleur i'll call you at half-past five i'd rather sit here i may get a nap by and by perhaps you can go to bed if you are tired i shan't oversleep myself i wish you'd give up this business tregonell said his friend with unaccustomed seriousness this man is a dead shot we heard of him in bolivia don't you remember a man who has spent half his life in shooting galleries and who has lived where life counts for very little why should you stake your life against his it isn't even betting you're good enough at big game but you've had very little pistol practice even if you were to kill him which isn't on the cards you'd be tried for murder and where's the advantage of that i'll risk it answered leonard doggedly i saw him with my wife's hand clasped in his saw him with his lips close to her face close enough for kisses heard her promise him an answer to-morrow by heaven there shall be no such to-morrow for him and for me for one of us there shall be an end of all things i don't believe mrs tregonell is capable began jack thoughtfully mumbling his cigarette you've said that once before and you needn't say it again capable why man alive i saw them together nothing less than the evidence of my own eyes would have convinced me i have been slow enough to believe there is not a man or woman in this house yourself included who has not in his secret soul despised me for my slowness and yet now because there is a question of a pistol shot or two you fence round and try to persuade me that my wife's good name is immaculate that all of which you have seen and wondered at for the last three weeks means nothing those open flirtations seldom do mean anything said jack persuasively a man may belong to the hawk tribe and yet not be without certain latent instincts of compassion and good feeling perhaps not but secret meetings do what i saw at the kiev to-day was conclusive besides the affair is all settled you and de cazalet have arranged it between you he is willing that there should be no witness but you the whole business will rest a secret between us three and if we get quietly down to the sands before any one is astir to see us no one else need ever know what happened there if there is bloodshed the thing must be known it will seem like an accident true answered vandeleur looking at him searchingly like that accident last year at the kiev poor hamley's death isn't to-morrow the anniversary by the by yes the date has come round again dates have an awkward knack of doing that there is a cursed mechanical regularity in life which makes a man wish himself in some savage island where there is no such thing as an almanac said vandeleur taking out another cigarette 
if i had been crusoe i should never have stuck up that post i should have been glad to get rid of quarter-day in christabel's room at the other end of the long corridor there was only the dim light of the night-lamp nor was there any sound save the ticking of the clock and the crackling of the cinders in the dying fire yet here there was no more sleep nor peace than in the chamber of the man who was to wager his life against the life of his fellow-man in the pure light of the dawning day christabel stood at her window dressed just as she had left the drawing-room looking out at the sky and the sea and thinking of him who at this hour last year was still a part of her life perchance a watcher then as she was watching now gazing with vaguely questioning eyes into the illimitable panorama of the heavens worlds beyond worlds suns and planetary systems scattered like grains of sand over the awful desert of infinite space innumerable immeasurable the infinitesimals of the astronomer the despair of faith yes a year ago and he was beneath that roof her friend her counsellor if need were for she had never trusted him so completely never so understood and realized all the nobler qualities of his nature as in those last days after she had set an eternal barrier between herself and him she stood at the open lattice the cold night air blowing upon her fever-heated face her whole being absorbed not in deliberate thought but in a kind of waking trance strange pictures came out of the darkness and spread themselves before her eyes she saw her first lover lying on the broad flat rock at st nectan's kiev face downward shot through the heart the water stained with the life-blood slowly oozing from his breast and then when that picture faded into the blackness of night she saw her husband and oliver de cazalet standing opposite to each other on the broad level sands at trebarwith the long waves rising up behind them like a low wall of translucent green crested with silvery whiteness so they would stand face to face a few hours hence from her lurking-place behind the trees and brushwood at the entrance of the kiev she had heard the appointment made and she knew that at seven o'clock those two were to meet with deadliest intent she had so planned it a life for a life she had no shadow of a doubt as to which of those two would fall three months ago on the riffle she had seen the baron's skill as a marksman tested she had seen him the wonder of a crowd of those rustic sports seen him perform feats which only a man who has reduced pistol-shooting to a science would attempt against this man leonard tregonell good all-round sportsman as he was could have very little chance leonard had always been satisfied with that moderate skilfulness which comes easily and unconsciously he had never given time and labour to any of the arts he pursued content to be able to hold his own among parasites and flatterers a life for a life repeated christabel her lips moving dumbly her heart throbbing heavily as if it were beating out those awful words a life for a life the old law the law of justice god's own sentence against murder the law could not touch this murderer but there was one way by which that cruel deed might be punished and i found it the slow silent hours wore on christabel left the window shivering with cold though cheeks brow and lips were burning she walked up and down the room for a long while till the very atmosphere of the room nay of the house itself seemed unendurable she felt as if she were being suffocated and this sense of oppression became so strong that she was sorely tempted to shriek aloud to call upon some one for rescue from that stifling vault the feeling grew to such intensity that she flung on her hat and coat and went quickly downstairs to a lobby door that opened into the garden a little door which she had unbolted many a night after the servants had locked up the house 
in order to steal out in the moonlight and among the dewy flowers and across the dewy turf to those shrubbery walks which had such a mysterious look half in light and half in shadow she closed the door behind her and stood with the night wind blowing round her looking up at the sky clouds were drifting across the starry dome and the moon like a storm-beaten boat seemed to be hurrying through them the cold wind revived her and she began to breathe more freely i think i was going mad just now she said to herself and then she thought she would go out upon the hills and down to the churchyard in the valley on this night of all nights she would visit angus hamley's grave it was long since she had seen the spot where he lay since her return from switzerland she had not once entered a church jessie had remonstrated with her gravely and urgently but without eliciting any explanation of this falling off in one who had been hitherto so steadfastly devout i don't feel inclined to go to church jessie she said coolly there is no use in discussing my feelings i don't feel fit for church and i am not going in order to gratify your idea of what is conventional and correct i am not thinking of this and its conventional aspect i have always made light of conventionalities but things must be in a bad way with you christabel when you do not feel fit for church things are in a bad way with me answered christabel with a dogged moodiness which was insurmountable i never said they were good this surrender of old pious habits had given jessie more uneasiness than any other fact in christabel's life her flirtation with the baron must needs be meaningless frivolity jessie had thought since it seemed hardly within the limits of possibility that a refined and pure-minded woman could have any real penchant for that showy adventurer but this persistent avoidance of church meant mischief and now in the deep dead of night silence christabel went on her lonely pilgrimage to her first lover's grave oh happy summer day when sitting by her side outside the maidenhead coach all her own through life as it seemed he told her how if she had the ordering of his grave she was to bury him in that romantic churchyard hidden in a cleft of the hill she had not forgotten this even amidst the horror of his fate and had told the vicar that mr hamley's grave must be at minster and no otherwhere then had come his relations suggesting burial places with family associations vaults mausoleums the pomp and circumstance of sepulture but christabel had been firm and while the others hesitated a paper was found in the dead man's desk requesting that he might be buried at minster how lonely the world seemed in this solemn pause between night and morning never before had christabel been out alone at such an hour she had travelled in the dead of night and had seen the vague dim night world from the window of a railway carriage but never until now had she walked across these solitary hills after midnight it seemed as if for the first time in her life she were alone with the stars how difficult it was in her present state of mind to realize that those lights tremulous in the deep blue vault were worlds and combinations of worlds almost all of them immeasurably greater than this earth on which she trod to her they seemed living watchers of the night solemn mysterious beings looking down at her with all understanding eyes she had an awful feeling of their companionship as she looked up at them a mystic sense that all her thoughts the worst and best of them were being read by that galaxy of eyes strangely beautiful did the hills and the sky the indefinite shapes of the trees against the edge of the horizon the mysterious expanse of the dark sea seemed to her in the night silence she had no fear of any human presence but there was an awful feeling in being as it were for the first time in her life alone with the immensities those hills and gorges 
so familiar in all phases of daylight from sunrise to after set of sun assumed titanic proportions in this depth of night and were as strange to her as if she had never trodden this path before what was the wind saying as it came moaning and sobbing along the deep gorge through which the river ran what did the wind say as she crossed the narrow bridge which trembled under her light footfall surely there was some human meaning in that long minor wail which burst suddenly into a wild unearthly shriek and then died away in a low sobbing tone as of sorrow and pain that grew dumb from sheer exhaustion and not because there was any remission of pain or sorrow with that unearthly sound still following her she went up the winding hillside path and then slowly descended to the darkness of the churchyard so sunk and sheltered that it seemed like going down into a vault just then the moon leapt from behind an inky cloud and in that ghostly light christabel saw the pale grey granite cross which had been erected in memory of angus hamley it stood up in the midst of nameless mounds and humble slate tablets pale and glittering an unmistakable sign of the spot where her first lover lay once only before to-night had she seen that monument absorbed in the pursuit of a pagan scheme of vengeance she had not dared to come within the precincts of the church where she had knelt and prayed through all the sinless years of her girlhood to-night some wild impulse had brought her here to-night when that crime which she called retribution was on the point of achievement she went with stumbling footsteps through the long grass across the low mounds till she came to that beneath which angus hamley lay she fell like a lifeless thing at the foot of the cross some loving hand had covered the mound of earth with primroses and violets and there were low clambering roses all around the grave the scent of sweet briar was mixed with the smell of earth and grass some one had cared for that grave although she who so loved the dead had never tended it oh my love my love she sobbed with her face upon the grass and the primrose leaves and her arms clasping the granite my murdered love my first last only lover before to-morrow's sun is down your death will be revenged and my life will be over i have lived only for that only for that angus my love my love she kissed the cold wet grass more passionately than she had ever kissed the dead face mouldering underneath it only to the dead to the utterly lost and gone is given this supreme passion love sublimated to despair from the living there is always something kept back something saved and garnered for an after-gift some reserve in the mind or the heart of the giver but to the dead love gives all with a wild self-abandonment which knows not restraint nor measure the wife who while this man yet lived had been so rigorously true to honour and duty now poured into the deaf dead ears a reckless avowal of love love that had never faltered never changed love that had renounced the lover and had yet gone on loving to the end the wind came moaning out of the valley again with that sharp human cry as of lamentation for the dead angus murmured christabel piteously angus can you hear me do you know oh my god is there memory or understanding in the world where he has gone or is it all a dead blank help me my god i have lost all the old sweet illusions of faith i have left off praying hoping believing i have only thought of my dead thought of death and of him till all the living world grew unreal to me and god and heaven were only like old half-forgotten dreams angus 
for a long time she lay motionless her cold hands clasping the cold stone her lips pressed upon the soft dewy turf her face buried in primrose leaves then slowly and with an effort she raised herself upon her knees and knelt with her arms encircling the cross that sacred emblem which had once meant so much for her but which since that long blank interval last winter seemed to have lost all meaning one great overwhelming grief had made her a pagan thirsting for revenge vindictive crafty stealthy as an american indian on the trail of his deadly foe subtle as greek or oriental to plan and to achieve a horrible retribution she looked at the inscription on the cross legible in the moonlight deeply cut in large gothic letters upon the grey stone filled in with dark crimson vengeance is mine i will repay saith the lord who had put that inscription upon the cross it was not there when the monument was first put up christabel remembered going with jessie to see the grave in that dim half-blank time before she went to switzerland then there was nothing but a name and a date and now in awful distinctness there appeared those terrible words god's own promise of retribution the claim of the almighty to be the sole avenger of human wrongs and she reared by a religious woman brought up in the love and fear of god had ignored that sublime and awful attribute of the supreme she had not been content to leave her lover's death to the great avenger she had brooded on his dark fate until out of the gloom of despair there had arisen the image of a crafty and bloody retribution whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed so runs the dreadful sentence of an older law the newer lovelier law which began in the afterglow of philosophy the dawn of christianity bids man leave revenge to god and she who had once called herself a christian had planned and plotted making herself the secret avenger of a criminal who had escaped the grip of the law must he lie in his grave unavenged until the day of judgment she asked herself god's vengeance is slow an hour later and christabel pale and exhausted her garments heavy with dew was kneeling by her boy's bed in the faint light of the night-lamp kneeling by him as she had knelt a year ago but never since her return from switzerland praying as she had not prayed since angus hamley's death after those long passionate prayers she rose and looked at the slumberer's face her husband's face in little but oh how pure and fresh and radiant god keep him from boyhood's sins of self-love and self-indulgence from manhood's evil passions hatred and jealousy all her life to come seemed too little to be devoted to watching and guarding this beloved from the encircling snares and dangers of life pure and innocent now in this fair dawn of infancy he nestled in her arms he clung to her and believed in her what business had she with any other fears desires or hopes god having given her the sacred duties of maternity the master passion of motherly love i have been mad she said to herself i have been living in a ghastly dream but god has awakened me god's word has cured me god's word had come to her at the crisis of her life a month ago while her scheme of vengeance seemed still far from fulfilment that awful sentence would hardly have struck so deeply it was on the very verge of the abyss that those familiar words caught her just when the natural faltering of her womanhood upon the eve of a terrible crime made her most sensitive to a sublime impression the first faint streak of day glimmered in the east a pale cold light 
livid and ghostly upon the edge of the sea yonder white and wan upon the eastward points of rock and headland when jessie bridgeman was startled from her light slumbers by a voice at her bedside she was always an early riser and it cost her no effect to sit up in bed with her eyes wide open and all her senses on the alert christabel what is the matter is leo ill no leo is well enough get up and dress yourself quickly jessie i want you to come with me on a strange errand but it is something that must be done and at once christabel you are mad no i have been mad i think you must know it this is the awakening come jessie jessie had sprung out of bed and put on slippers and dressing-gown without taking her eyes off christabel presently she felt her cloak and gown why you are wet through where have you been to angus hamley's grave who put that inscription on the cross i did nobody seemed to care about his grave no one attended to it i got to think the grave my own property and that i might do as i liked with it but those awful words what made you put them there i wanted the man who killed him to be reminded that there is an avenger wash your face and put on your clothes as fast as you can every moment is of consequence said christabel she would explain nothing jessie urged her to take off her wet cloak to go and change her gown and shoes but she refused with angry impatience there will be time enough for that afterwards she said what i have to do will not take long but it must be done at once pray be quick jessie struggled through her hurried toilette and followed christabel along the corridor without question or exclamation they went to the door of the baron de cazalet's room a light shone under the bottom of the door and there was the sound of someone stirring within christabel knocked and the door was opened almost instantly by the baron himself is it the trap he asked it's an hour too soon no it is i monsieur de cazalet may i come in for a few minutes i have something to tell you christabel my he stopped in the midst of that eager exclamation at sight of the other figure in the background End of chapter twelve part one